I love this church. Thanks for having me. I love Ryan and his wife, Jenny. They've just been so meaningful to our lives, my, my wife and I, and just grateful to be here. God is doing some really powerful things through you guys and in this community, and I'm just grateful to be a part of it. So, so thank you. You made it here. You should give yourselves a hand. You made it here. Come on. You made it here. You made it here. You know, it's been estimated that from the time you wake up and you say good morning to your roommate, your spouse, or whoever you're living with, you're, by the time you say good morning to the time you say good night and your head hits the pillow, you'll speak, you'll speak enough words to fill up an entire book that's 60 pages long every day. Now I know some of you are like, you know, my youngest brother's an introvert. He'd be like, dude, I only speak like, you know, one chapter's worth. I, you know, I don't use very many words. Okay. Or some of you are like, oh, dude, if you only heard my girlfriend, she would like double that, right? All right, that's fine. We're all a little unique. But on average, the amount of words that come out of your mouth today will fill up a book, 60 pages long. If you were to kind of multiply that over the course of a year, you would have 100 books, 200 pages long each. A hundred books. This is the words you're going to speak for this year. So what that means is that just next month, we're about ready to start up March, you're going to speak this amount of words. Just in March. That's what you're going to speak just in one month. And the words that come out of your mouth are powerful. Words have been spoken that bring life. Words have spoken that bring death. Words are used to, to encourage someone and lift them up. And then words are also used to tear someone down, cut them down. Uh, because of words, couples have been divorced. Because of words, people lose their jobs. Because of words, people have deep, crippling insecurities. Our words have power. And it's so critical that we take notice of what's coming out of our mouths, the Bible says that it's a matter of life and death. That's how it's put. We see this passage in Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are found in the power of the tongue. So this is how important this is to God. It's a life or death issue, and that's why we're talking about it today. We want to look at the words that are coming out of our mouths and how you and I can bring words that bring life to people and don't bring death to people. And we'll also have a time where we take some inventory about how the words have wounded us. And we'll have a chance today where we allow the Holy Spirit just to begin a healing work in our lives in that area. So that's where we're going. I'm so glad you're here today. It's no mistake that you're here. God brought you here. And it's, it's a matter of life and death of what we're talking about here in the scriptures. We've all experienced words that have brought death. I know that to be true, especially when you're in middle school. <laughs> you know this to be true. When I was in middle school, uh, there were four girls in our junior high. I know. The, the odds, because there were 16 guys, the odds were not against, or were not in favor of the guys. And uh, one of the girls kind of liked me, but I liked a girl at a neighboring school that, you know, wasn't part of that. And so these four girls, because I didn't reciprocate the crush with the one girl, uh, she just kind of steered the whole group against me. And they use a very effective weapon. They use the power of a word. Uh, because I wouldn't, you know, like her back and I like this other person, uh, they, be, they called me stuck, which was short for stuck up, 
because they thought I was too good for her. So the very tribe that I was wanting deeply to be accepted by was the very tribe that rejected me. And they did that with the power of a word. My, my brother, Justin, found out early on when I was little that I, I'm not super quick. I'm, I'm, I'm quick if I can learn something and then I have time to like think about it and internalize it. But on the spot, you get me in a debate team or something, I'm terrible. I mean, really, I would just get slaughtered. And so my brother, Justin, picked up on this and just had a heyday with me when I was young. And the words that came out of his mouth and so fast... And I had no response. I'd be like, oh, well, you're dumb too. Like, I just didn't know what to say back. And so words that he spoke are still things I battle with today. Uh, Things like slow or stupid or failure. Things that I wrestle with. Words have brought death. And you have stories in your life where words have brought death. Words have come out of my mouth that have brought death to people. My family, my spouse, there's times where words come out of my mouth and I go, oh, how did I say that? Our words can bring death. Washington Irving said, the tongue is the only cutting tool that grows sharper by constant use. And then James, the brother of Jesus, he puts it this way. He says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Words have power. Words can bring death. And words can also bring life. Words can bring life. Mark Twain once famously said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. Words can bring life. I have a friend named Lee Perky who... Uh, spoken words of life into my life. I remember being in my early 30s, and I'd just taken a role at a church in Santa Cruz at the time, and so I was, became lead pastor, where I would lead the staff and oversee the budget, and oversee um, uh, the goals and things like that for the year. And I was a bit insecure in my role, and I, especially Lee was like 12 years older than me. He had way more experience, and I could tell he sensed I was a bit nervous about this new venture. And he looked over at me, and he spoke five words to me that settled in and grabbed my heart. He says, Josh, you're a great pastor. Josh, you're a great pastor. And all of a sudden, my insecurities vanished. I was like, I can do this. And those words held me throughout that three-year season of doing that role. Not long after that, same guy. Some people have like the gift of this encouragement thing. We're all called to it, but some people do it more than others and better, and that's great. You need these people in your life. And not long after that, my wife Danielle got pregnant, and we're having our first baby, and I'm, I'm a bit freaked out. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this parent thing? This is a whole new world for me. And again, this guy, Lee, can notice. He, he sensed that I was a bit, you know, I was a bit scared. And he just pulled me aside, and he looked me straight in the eye, and he said, Josh, you're going to be a great dad. And just in six words, all of a sudden, I was filled with hope. I had resolve. I was ready to move forward into this new season of life. Words that spoke life. Incredible how God uses those words. Ryan Ingram has been someone who has spoken life into me several times. Even while we're thinking of launching this anthem school of worship, you know, could this even work in the Bay Area? 
And Ryan, several times, just spoke words of life. Here's why, here's why God can do it. Here's why he's gifted you. Here's what you're called to. And just like, whoa, words of life that propelled me into my future. God speaks words of life through you. And the question today is, will our words bring death to people? Or will we speak words that bring life? And people are desperate for words of life. We're, we're scared. People are panicked. People are lonely. People are struggling with depression. People need words of life. People around you, you yourself, we need words of life. That's why the scriptures say it's so important. In prepping for this message, I asked some friends on social media, which is not known for words of life oftentimes, right? I asked some folks just saying, hey, what are some examples of people that have spoken words of life to you? So here's just a couple of the responses. Uh, one of them took the request a bit too literally, and he says, oh, um, he says, my wife said some pretty choice four-letter words while giving life to our children uh, at the hospital. I was like, no, 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 that's, that's not quite the words of life I'm talking about, but okay, fair enough, that was, that was good. Another friend named Cassidy, she said, I used to be defined by the negative words spoken over me. Um, I was messy. Someone told her, actually, you will never be successful And then if not, she says, if not for my boss speaking words over me, I would never have known how much I actually thrive under pressure and I enjoy organizing tasks. She said this, even when I left the job, my boss gave me the most encouraging feedback. Just picture this person, all that she struggled with, now she's leaving the job and still there's words of life from her boss. And then she says this, her words literally breathed life into my heart. And then this person came in and said, In my teenage years, my mom remarried a man who became manipulative and mentally and verbally abusive. It got worse and worse over the years until finally in my senior year of school, I was alone and afraid. One Sunday, I just had to get out of the house. I was only allowed to leave for work or church, so I went to church just to get a little peace. I don't remember anything about the sermon that day. Don't worry, not many people do, right? But as I was waiting for everyone to leave at the end of the service, stretching the last few minutes I had to myself, my head was bowed simply from exhaustion, and an old woman came behind me. She put her hand on my shoulder and started praying for me. I was confused at first because I wasn't crying. Why would she think I needed prayer? But she continued, and I realized it had nothing to do with her. It was the Spirit of God moving through her. She was praying words on my behalf that I hadn't even been able to form yet. And at the end of her prayer, she hugged me and told me, in all my years, it was always the darkest valleys of my life that I felt God's presence the closest. Those words shook me awake and have continued to follow me through the years. Since then, never have I had a moment that I felt alone. Wow, words of life spoken over somebody changed the trajectory of her life. Words have power, and that's why the Bible's got so much to say about them. One of the key passages about words is Proverbs 25, 11. It says, like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. This is the idea that when your words come out of your mouth, prompted by the Holy Spirit, And all of a sudden, they're in the circumstances that this person needs to hear. They're not just great in and of themselves, apples of gold, but they're like in settings of silver. In other words, your words become magnified. They become more powerful. They're made more potent because it's the right word at the right time. How do you know that? 
because the Holy Spirit directs you and is in orchestrating things beyond your abilities. So when you sense that and you speak it, it's like, whoa, you have no idea the power of the words that come out of your mouth. It's supernatural, is what the scripture's saying. Apples of gold and settings of silver. Last November, I was leading worship at a church I serve at, and there's some elderly folks in, our, in, in the room, and I just know they don't like the music. It's way too loud. And oftentimes, I get people that come and complain to me. And one day, I'm le- sitting there leading, and I'm like, oh, boy. And I'm looking out, and I'm seeing some of those folks. And one guy sits in the back with these giant, like, ear, ca- like, ear um, they're, they're like headphones, noise-canceling headphones, but they're massive. And he just sits back there, and he's got them on, and he's like, hmm. So when I'm leading worship, I can't look at the guy. I'm like, oh, it would just destroy my day. But this day was one of those days where I couldn't stop looking at him, right? I'm just like, ah, that's all I see is that. And I'm leading worship. And if you're anything like me, it's the thought, you know, it's like, oh, a few people don't like it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I don't think anybody likes it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I don't think anyone likes me, right? It's just weird how your thinking goes. And pretty soon you're like, I need to leave. Like you just feel terrible. That's how it works in my life. So I'm leading worship one day and that, that's, that pattern is happening. And I'm like, oh, no, not, not, not too many people. like Nobody like, no one likes me. I gotta go. And so after the set, I'm walking out toward the back and then I sense the Holy Spirit just prompting me and, and say, I want you to go say hi to this guy named Gene. Now Gene is in his 90s. He's sitting in the back, and uh, he's got uh, hearing aids, and he's got a walker, and he's got some sort of oxygen thing going in. And I'm like, whoa, this, okay. And, and I feel like God's saying, go say hi to Gene. I'm like, no, Gene's going to hate it. Like, he's going he's gonna, to, you know, he's going to tell me how terrible everything is. You know, this, these are the thoughts I have. And yet I sense it, and I'm like, ah, okay, Lord. So I walk over to Gene, feeling the way I'm feeling, and I put my hand on his shoulder, and all of a sudden, I'm like, hi, Gene, and his, he grabs my hand. It's like kind of a bony hand on my shoulder, on my hand, and then I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, here it comes. Like, he's going to just rail me, right? And I'm like, ah, and then in kind of a Clint Eastwood type of a voice. I don't know if you know Clint Eastwood, but, you know, he's got this great timbre to his voice. He grabs my hand, and he says this, keep doing what you're doing, and it was like, whoa, he had no idea what I was feeling, and his hands on mine, and those words all of a sudden re-clarified my mission. It was like, oh, I am here. God has put me here. It filled me with a confidence. It grounded me in who I was, and it was like, I don't care what anyone thinks. Gene just told me to keep doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to do it. Like I was just like, ah, right? And it was amazing what happens. It was like apples of gold in settings of silver. That's what the image here is. That's when we speak words out. We don't know the circumstances. We're just sort of sensing the Spirit, and we just say them. Or maybe we don't sense the Spirit, but we know it's something we're called to do, so we do it. And all of a sudden, the apples of gold, boom, they're in settings of silver. And God's doing something supernatural in that other person who's listening. That's what happened to me. That's what can happen to us and will happen. Another verse, Proverbs 16, 24 It says, gracious words are a honeycomb. I love this verse. Sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. The idea here is honey in the Hebrew times, it wasn't just sort of flavor, but it was very, it was thought of as very medicinal. And we do this too, right? We get a cold, what do we get? We get some tea, we need some lemon, we need some honey. We we set up our drink. Because especially in those times, it was honey was medicinal. Honey, Honey brought healing to the bones. I mean, the very... 
strongest structure of the human body. Everything hangs off of it. And these words are bringing healing. This isn't some sort of pop psychology. This is the scriptures teaching about the power, the supernatural power of our words. They bring healing to a human being. That's why it's imperative that we get this, that we're following along with scripture going, God, how do we do this? It's so important. And it's why God actually commands us to speak life. Do you know that? God actually commands us. It's not like, hey, this will make you feel nice if you do this. No, no, no. God's like, this is so important. It's bring healing. It's a matter of life and death. So therefore, I command you to encourage one another. You'll see, encourage one another. In other words, speak life to one another. You'll see it throughout the New Testament, throughout the scriptures. Encourage one another. God commanding it. And God not only commands it, he models it. God himself speaks life to people. And we see it throughout the Bible. One time he speaks life to a guy named Gideon. Gideon is this future leader of Israel. And at the time, Israel's being bullied and beat up by a surrounding nation. And so this guy's really deathly afraid. And he's hiding in a hole in the ground. Scripture says he's hiding in a wine press and he's threshing wheat. In other words, he's literally in a hole. He's just freaked out. And he's just threshing wheat. I don't know what you do to thresh wheat. This seems like a threshing motion. I don't know. Never done it before. But there he is, freaked out, hiding in fear. And God comes to him. And look at the words of life that God speaks to him. He says this to Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Another translation says, God is with you, mighty man of valor. (laughs) Mighty man of valor? He's down here just like, "Ah, ah," and all of a sudden the words of life. God speaking, not to his current situation, not to how he's feeling and he's stuck in fear. God's prophetically speaking about who he really is. He's calling out his true identity. He's talking about who he's going to become. And he speaks those words of life. And all of a sudden, Gideon's just filled with, he's filled with faith. He's got a new perspective now because God is with him. God's the one who calls him. God speaks life. We see Jesus do this with Peter. Peter's used to be called Simon, and Simon's this guy, if you read the New Testament, he's boisterous, he's a loud mouth, he's always kind of getting his foot stuck in his mouth, he's making these boastful claims about how he's going to follow Jesus to the end, but yet he's the very one who denies Jesus in the end. He's constantly this guy, and people would be like, oh, that's just Simon, running his mouth, right? And Jesus calls him this inconsistent misfit. Jesus comes to him and says, you are the rock, Petra. And now we know him as Peter. Wow, inconsistent misfit, the rock. Jesus speaking life into Peter and calling him by his true identity. We see Jesus do this uh, in the New Testament. There's a woman at the well. Jesus visits this woman. She's a Samaritan. Jews wouldn't talk with Samaritans. Racial divide there. And she's a woman. Men wouldn't speak with women in public in that time period. So here's Jesus breaking all kinds of social uh, barriers. And he meets with this woman, and he starts telling her all about her life. And she's got lots of brokenness in her life, especially around relationships. She's uh, been with five different guys, and now the guy she's with, uh, they're living together and whatnot. And Jesus is like, starts to speak to her. And instead of judging her, he starts to offer her words of life. Talking about um, if, if she would come to know salvation through Christ, 
that all of a sudden she, she wouldn't have to have a water that she, she'd come to draw water out of this well. She'd never have to do that. She'd have water that quenches her, her thirst, her deep inner soul thirst. And he offers her words of life, and she actually goes from that place, runs into the neighboring village, and tells everybody, you got to meet this guy. He told me everything about my life, all the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he loved me, and, and you got to know him. Jesus offers words of life to this woman. We see this practice of words of life come throughout the New Testament into the church. And Paul, this guy who's now leading the church, and there's a church in Corinth, and this group is totally crazy. There's, there's people that have, are getting drunk, they're getting wasted on the communion, if you could imagine that, like right here in the, like, whoa, that dude, he's totally plastered on the communion. And there'd be people in the, in the church that are like sleeping with different family members. I mean, it was really crazy. And Paul's trying to help them to follow Jesus because they're new at following Jesus. All they know is their old life. So it's not totally surprising. And yet Paul, look at the words he says. Now, yes, there's times where he challenges them and corrects them. But look at the words that he speaks to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. He says, I have the highest confidence in you. And I take great pride in you. Can you imagine if you're the Corinthian believers listening to this? Like, we're all screws, you know, screw-ups. And, and yet here's Paul. I take great pride in you. All of a sudden, Paul calling out their best in them, right? And he knows that, that, that people tend to become what you encourage them to become, not what you nag them to become. And Paul is speaking life, helping them become what he encourages them to become. Shinichi Suzuki was a Japanese musician and instructor. Has anyone heard of the Suzuki method of learning music? Okay, he is trained, he's influenced millions of people around the world. Literally millions of people have learned music through his process of education. And what Mr. Suzuki knew, he taught the students this thing. He said the first thing that he taught them was how to take a, uh, take a stance. So the students would learn the correct stance and how do they hold their violin and ready to go. And then the very next thing he taught them was how to take a bow. And why, you ask? It's because he knows that anytime kids take a bow in front of a whole group of people, it's inevitable that everyone's going to erupt in applause. And so these kids would hear the life speaking over them in the form of an applause, in the form of a yeah. And all of a sudden it would fill them with this courage and confidence. I can do this. That's what he knew. He was tapping into this biblical principle of speaking life. Our goal, of course, in speaking life to people isn't to, you know, praise them, but to praise God. I love how Crabtree puts it. Sam Crabtree says, We rob God of praise by not pointing out his reflection in the people he's knit together in his image. Isn't that amazing? So our praise points to God. And the last verse I want to look at with you guys is Colossians. And there's a passage here about words of life, especially with those who don't know, don't know Jesus yet. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Paul says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. First off, he says, Live wisely. Live wisely. Part of living wisely is taking time to get our hearts filled up. To get our hearts filled up. In fact, 
if you tune, if you've sort of tuned out everything in this message, I need you to tune in right here at this point. And if you forget everything else about this message, this is the thing I want you to remember. Okay? Why do we need to keep our hearts full in, as part of living wisely? Because of Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you and I have hearts that are not full, our words will be empty. Or worse, they'll bring death. So we've got to live wisely and fill our hearts up. What does this look like, you ask? Jesus would do this all the time. He'd go out and minister to thousands, healing people. Then he would retreat and get with his father and get his heart filled up. He'd go out and he'd heal a few people and share the gospel. Then he would go away and be alone with the Father and get his heart refilled. He did it time and time again so that any time the words came out of his mouth, they were words that were coming from a full heart. So live wisely. Live wisely. Have a heart that's full. Then Paul continues. Make the most of every opportunity. This is actually a shopping metaphor. I like to shop. I'm, I'm an anomaly. I don't know. But those of you guys, if you like shopping, come over to me afterwards. We can fist bump and be like, come on, dude. Yeah, it's okay. So this is a shopping metaphor. L- literally, it's, it, it, you see that jacket that you really like, and it's 75% off. Buy it quickly, especially if there's like one left in your size. Get it. Talk to your spouse afterwards, later. Just kind of, you know, you know figure out how, a way you'll describe what, the need for that. So, uh, but this is make every, take every opportunity. Literally, it's snatch it as if it's the last, uh, uh, you know, jacket that you have. That's the metaphor. The idea is that we don't think twice when all of a sudden we sense, I probably should speak a word of life to this person. We need to do it immediately. Otherwise, what happens? We wait I don't know, is that you, God? Maybe not. And then we stall, and then all of a sudden we're like, that's probably, eh, forget it, never mind. I don't want to disrupt them. And we're off on our day. And we've missed this opportunity that God's put in front of us. So make the most of every opportunity. Then he says, let your conversation be gracious and seasoned, or sorry, attractive, which means seasoned with salt. Let your words be salty. Let them be zesty. Let them be spicy. Uh, Let your words be attractive. The idea here is that one-way monologues that are bland and boring have no effect. But when our words, when our lives are colorful, when they're spicy, when they've got taste, all of a sudden God uses them. So let your words be gracious and attractive. Why? So that people will ask you questions and you'll have a response for their questions. When your speech is like this, people go, and what is different about you? And all of a sudden, now you have an opportunity to respond and say, man, I've got, I've got Christ in me. Let me tell you about it. My friends Jared and Alicia Boya went through a very difficult season of battling cancer. Alicia got cancer and now is cancer-free. It's a, mir- mir- a miracle story. But in the midst of her struggle with that, when her life was literally hanging in the balance, she chose time and time again to say, God, I trust you. Lord, I love you. And there were people in her life that she actually shared her faith with that were coming to Christ because of it. And it was this wild thing. It was like, in fact, one of our good friends who's not yet a follower of Jesus, but at one point he kept seeing their lives and seeing how they respond. And not every day was, you know, praise God. But at the end of the day, it was, God, I trust you. And he noticed that so often, he finally came to them and says, okay, so what's, what's, what's going on? How are you doing this? 
I mean, that was literally his words, how are you doing this? And Alicia was able to go, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you that, you know, 1 Thessalonians 4, 5, we don't grieve as men without hope. We grieve with hope Knowing Christ, knowing this life isn't all there is, there's a whole nother life, and we've got the hope of salvation, eternal life. And I've got his presence with me now. And he's able to share all of a sudden about this relationship she has with Christ. And he's like, whoa, you know? A powerful opportunity. Why their hearts were full, and then their speech was salty, and when asked, she had a reason to give. And God used her story. And now she, she, God continues to use her story as he's healed her. It's amazing what God will do when we follow this pattern. So I want to now just ask us this week, how can we speak words of life to one another? Just a few tips and then we'll close up. One, uh, let's get our hearts full. Okay, Let's spend some time this week. I don't know what it looks like for you to, to get up early. Get that 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever you can do. And just go, Lord, here I am. I'm here. And get your Bible and open it up. God, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. And just set that time aside. We got to do that. We got to get our hearts full. I know sometimes we get lazy. Sometimes other things take priority. And all of a sudden, we can be going a week, two weeks, a month, six months. When's the last time I actually spent just quality time with God? I know it can happen. We can drift like that. It's easy. We don't drift toward holiness. We don't drift toward a close relationship with God. No, no, we don't, we don't, we don't get there that way. We schedule. We have times where we spend time with God. And so this week, I want you to get your schedule out and go, all right, here's the days I'm going to get with God. Here's what I'm going to be reading through the scriptures. And then get your heart full. That's what's going to happen. Okay, your heart's going to get full. And you're going to go, whoa, that's cool. Now my heart's full. Now what's going to happen now? The next is say, God, show me one person this week that you want me to speak to. So just ask God to show you one person this week that God wants you to speak a word of life to. Now what's going to happen is your antennas are up. You're like, and then when the Holy Spirit's like, that person, you're like, oh, good, right? So get your heart full, then ask God to show you one person this week to speak words of life to, okay? Next is to say it. Now, you can use your phone. You can do a voicemail to the person. That's okay. I've had that. I get a voicemail. I'm like, oh, well, I just listen. You know, a friend of mine just a few weeks ago, Josh, just thinking about you, praying for you, got a couple things I think maybe God wants to say to you. Boom. And I just listen. Thank you so much, God. Awesome. <laughs> All right? So it might be that, that, that way you do it. My mom writes notes. She'll handwrite a note or a letter and send it to me, and I save a lot of those because there are some really valuable words of life in there. So I, I keep some of those. Or you might speak it in person. I think maybe the most effective thing is talk right to the person like, hey, boom, speak out your word of life, okay? A couple things about your word of life. Uh, Be specific. Be specific. So don't just generalize it like, oh, you know, you're really awesome. Okay, see ya. Like, no, no, no. Like, give me a reason why you're speaking this word, okay? So be specific with the person. A parent, especially if you've got kids, like, this is huge when you're specific with your kid about something, you know? Oh, nice job on the painting. No, hey, this is, I really liked how you use the colors in this way. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa. Be specific, okay? Um, this is my favorite thing about you. And then what is it? I'm so proud of you for this. 
accomplishment or how you've seen them grow. Thanks for being there for me when this happened. See, now that the specifics coming in, I've looked up to you because this. You've made me, actually, you've made me a better person, and here's why. Just one, just one specific thing. And then keep it short. The examples I gave you guys today, four-word example, five-word example, six-word example. Doesn't have to be some giant long speech. Just a few words that are going to bring life to somebody. And then don't expect anything in return. This isn't like, hey, I've got a word of life, and you speak it, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I'm ready for you to tell me how awesome I am, right? No, no, no. You just speak the word of life, and then you just, then you just walk, walk away. Just let it be. Just let it be. Okay? My friend Steve was a teacher, second grade teacher for a while, and he had his students write down words of life about the other students, and he collected them in a book, and he said, he said this book is going to shape our tribe, our community. And I want to read some of the words written by seven-year-olds to one another. Because if seven-year-olds can do this, then we can do this. So here's some words that were written about Kaylee. She can swing on the bars. Just think about that for them. You know, for, for Kaylee, she's like, wow, yeah, I can. <laughs> another person wrote, she's good at monkey bars. This must have been something she was really amazing at. And then somebody wrote, she is elegant. Seven-year-old knows that word. I love, I love that. She is elegant, they said. And then another person wrote, Kaylee is good at picking stuff out. Okay. <laughs> All right. She's good at picking. And then Jason. Some people, this, this, this kid wrote this about Jason. Jason is a good candy saver. Not quite sure what that means exactly. Maybe he would never share with anybody, so they're like <laughs> trying to spin it in a positive way. Um, and then here's what some people uh, said about a girl named Emily. Emily is good at making people feel good. Wouldn't you love to be known by that? Another person wrote, Emily is good at being nice. She's good at being nice. And then I love this one. I like Emily because she sits at my table. Can you imagine, you know, being six, seven years old, you're sitting at the table, no one's sitting with you, and all of a sudden, here comes Emily. She sits at your table. Seven-year-olds speaking life to one another. That's, that's us. We can do this. We can speak life this week to one another. Can you imagine if all of us in this room committed to this, and we just began to use our words to speak life I mean, this day represents, this book represents just today, 60 pages. Can you imagine if we committed to the, today to say, God, who's the one person? And then we said, words of life. Just think of how it would shape and change their lives and shape our culture, shape our church. And how when people came into this room and interacted with people here, they'd go, What's, what is going on here? Because words of life would be coming at them from all angles. <laughs> And it'd be incredible how people could be led to Christ that way. God can use us in this room in a profound way. It's a matter of life and death. Some of us need to hear words of life over ourselves. And so here's how I'd like us to close. I want to take some time here where I'm going to read some scripture over you. So this is God's word directly. And then I'm actually going to ask us to repeat a sentence 
that is reflective of the word, okay? You don't have to say it loudly. You can whisper it under your breath, but I'd like us to say it out loud, even if it's a whisper, because I think there's something powerful about naming and saying and proclaiming God's word. So that's how we're going to close our time. So get comfortable. If it helps you to close your eyes, then I encourage you to do that. I'll read the passage of Scripture, and then I'll read the sentence that I'd like you to repeat after me. Ephesians chapter 1, 11 through 12. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And so repeat after me, you chose me when you planned creation. Chose me when you planned creation. Psalm 139 says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And repeat after me, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am not a mistake. Each of my days is written in your book. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So repeat after me, while I was far from you, lost in sin, you gave your life for me. And then the last one is Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So repeat after me, you love me with an everlasting love. You draw me close to you with unfailing kindness. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the supernatural power in your word. God, thanks for what happens when we speak it out loud and name it and really stand on it. Lord, would you do a supernatural work in our hearts, those places where we've been deeply wounded, Would your spirit come even now and begin to heal those cracks, the places where we've been shattered. Begin to heal, God. Begin to rebuild and reshape and reform and recreate us. Lord, may the place of our identity be rooted in the fact that we're loved by you. And then, God, would that love propel us? Would it come bubbling up out of our hearts and tumbling out of our mouths in the form of words of life to people, God. People close to us, people that we've never met yet. And would you use those words, God, to lead people to you, to encourage them in profound ways. Lord, we give you all the glory for it. We pray you would do this in us for the sake of your glory, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.